We're going to look at something today in the light of this Pentecost season. We celebrated uh, Pentecost last Sunday. Pentecost as big on the calendar in our, our biblical faith as Christmas and Easter. It's the moment the Spirit is shed on all flesh. The promise fulfilled that Jesus said would be fulfilled as Paul would state it. The mystery is now revealed Christ in you, the hope of glory. John was stated, you know, greater is he that is in you than he within the world. The promise is that he was with us, but now because of Pentecost, he is within us. And that's the promise then that we celebrate through Pentecost and, and all year long. And if you give me 20 minutes here today, what we discuss, it, it's going to change your life. I know that there's chaos and uncertainty all around us. And that's why we need to understand the promise of what we'll look at here today and to recognize the promise of what is being stated here in this life that we have in Christ. Let me share something from David Livingston. Lived in the 1800s. He opened the heart of Africa to missions. He was simply a fearless man. And he was fearless because he believed in a gospel of victory as I do. I know there's people out there that have a belief things get worse and worse and worse. You know what, I trust in the promise that the gates of hell shall not uh, stand against the gospel of Christ. I, I trust in the promise that he is ascended on high. He is now the king of the universe. He reigns, gives us the power that in him we are more than conquerors in all things. Yes, bad things happen. Yes, there's evil in the world, but that evil does not win. Because again, greater is he in you than he that's in the world. David Livingston believed that fully and he was fearless. He opened the heart of Africa to missions. He would, you know, travail across the entire continent, just uh, again, fearless. He would see Muslim slave traders and approach them and demand them to release the slaves that they had captive. And they would do that because they were so shocked and frightened and intimidated by this man who was so bold and courageous. And he said this, though, in the 1800s, David Livingston, by different agencies, the great ruler is bringing all things into focus. Jesus is gathering all things to himself, daily becoming more and more the center of the world's hope and of the world's fears. And we recognize that here today. We recognize that every day that Jesus is truly the center of the world's hope. And let's go forth then with more confidence by what we look at here today that we serve him who is the, the king of the universe. Pentecost, the story of that's found in Acts chapter 2. We're going to look at one verse, verse 36. After the wind, after the fire, after the tongues, the people say to Peter, what does this mean? And here's what Peter responds. Let all the house of Israel know for certain God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. When the people are stunned by all these signs and wonders they see, they appeal to Peter, what's happened? And he says, Jesus, the one you crucified, what you see here is the evidence that he is crowned both Lord and Christ. The promise fulfilled now that Christ, again, is in you, in me, if we surrender our hearts to him, because the Spirit poured out on all flesh, a symbol, a sign of the victory that Christ ascended on high. Yes, he rose. Yes, he cleansed our sin. But he also now is seated on high, that name above all names, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And when people see that and they recognize that, they say to Peter next, and what should we do? And what's he say? Repent and believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Be baptized. 
and many then give their faith to Christ in that moment. You know, it's Al Garza who said it like this, Pilate's question, what is truth, is a category mistake because truth is not about what, but about who. And we recognize that and live in that. In a world that is being tossed to and fro by chaos and uncertainties and fears and doubts, we stand on the solid rock of Christ. Truth is not about what, truth is about who, and he alone is the way, the truth, the life. We can trust that in him who reigns over all things till all things are brought under his feet, we are safe and secure in him. As Paul would say, I I believe and trust he's able to keep that which I have entrusted in him, unto him until that day. George Mueller in the 1800s, his, his work, his writings about prayer and faith impact lives to this day and George Mueller said the only way to learn strong faith is to endure great trials and when we come to great trials let us stand firm like Livingston in confidence and faith and say let my faith shine even brighter in the darkness let the trials be a refining fire to take away the distractions and the focus on so many unimportant things and let me focus on first things first and live a life of confidence in Christ and share that promise so that others can be set free in their life as well. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 44, verse 6. And again, what we'll see here is simply remarkable. Here's Isaiah's words. Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Beside me there is no God. We're going to focus on that statement, I am the first, and I am the last. In the Hebrew language, what's being said there is, I am the Aleph and the Tav. The Aleph is the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. The Tav is the last letter. We might say that he's stating, I am A to Z, and everything in between. But it's much deeper than even that. When he states that I am the Aleph and I am the Tav, again, the Aleph is the first letter of the alphabet and the Tav is the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet. When he states that, that is 600 years BC, and then Jesus is going to repeat that, Revelation 22, verse 13, when he says, in the Greek, Aleph is Alpha, Tav is Omega. In Revelation 22, 13, then Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He repeats this glorious title three different times, three different ways. I am the first, the last. He says, Alpha, Omega, first, last, beginning, and the end. It's a way of saying, I am all things. Again, the Aleph, the first letter, Hebrew alphabet, the Tav, the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet, We might say in practical terms like Richard Papafio says, since he's the first, the last, he's before your problems and he is God. Before your failures, he is God. Before your faults, he is God. So never underestimate him. As I've shared, you know, those missionaries, they went forth over these centuries boldly into foreign lands, dangerous lands, filled with confidence, knowing that they had a victory that was sure. 
hymn writers knew that same thing. Consider the words of Edward Perronet, All hail the power of Jesus' name in 1780. Listen as he says, All hail the power of Jesus' name, let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Next verse he says, Let every tongue and every tribe responsive to his call to him all majesty ascribe and crown him Lord of all. In Jesus shall reign by Isaac Watts, 1719, Jesus shall reign wherever the sun does its successive journey run. His kingdom stretch from shore to shore till moons shall wax and wane no more. Next verse says, blessings abound wherever he reigns. The prisoners leap and lose their chains. The weary find eternal rest and all who suffer want are blessed. A theology that says in him we are more than conquerors that he is the one who never will leave us nor forsake us that in him the nations shall be discipled and we're called to come along beside him as his ambassadors and work with him in that confidence of faith through our life through our holiness through our prayers our repentance our examples our words recognizing that he is the one that is the the center of all things and as peter said he is crowned now both Lord and Christ. So let's talk for a moment about this picture being painted here. I am the Aleph and I am the Tav. If you look at the Aleph first, the Aleph in modern day Hebrew looks kind of like an X. And Aleph means the one most powerful. If it's shortened to simply L, which it is in scripture at times, it means God, but it also means something else. If you look at the Aleph as it was written in BC, you'll see that the Aleph is actually an ox head. Modern day, it looks like an N or an X. Originally though, it was an ox head because it also means sacrifice. And so when Jesus says, I am the Aleph, he stated, I am the one most powerful God, the sacrifice. That's why David Livingston would say, we need uncommon Christians, eminently holy and devoted servants of the Most High. Because when Jesus says, I am the A to the Z, or I am the Aleph and the Tav, when he states, I am the Aleph, People in his culture would have understood what he's saying. When he stated that, he was stating, I am the one most powerful God, the sacrifice. It was Matthew Henry who said, those who keep pure in times of general wickedness, God will keep safe in times of general trouble and distress. When we walk in the light as he is in the light, filled with confidence and courage, knowing that he is both Lord and Christ, seated on high, the King of Kings, revealing himself in countless ways that we might say he is the one most powerful God, the sacrifice on your behalf and on my behalf. But he doesn't say alone he is the Aleph. He also says, I am the Aleph and I am the Tav. Again, if you saw a Tav in modern-day Hebrew, that Tav 
looks kind of like a, an N in the English alphabet. Tav means the mark. Well, what is the importance of the mark? One of the places it's used most clearly in Scripture is Ezekiel chapter 9. Ezekiel chapter 9, Ezekiel is going to say, here's a division between people. There's a division between those who repent and those who glory in their sin. And Ezekiel is going to see this vision. He's going to see this angelic figure. It's represented here in his vision by a man who is clothed in linen. And listen to what happens in Ezekiel chapter 9. Here's what he saw. The glory of the God of Israel went up from above the cherubim, moved to the threshold of the temple. And the Lord called to the man clothed in linen, who had the writing kit at his side, and said to him, Go throughout the city of Jerusalem and put a mark, put a tav, on the foreheads of those who grieve and lament over all the detestable things that are done. For those in Christ, he says, go forth and put a tav on their foreheads. For those who are repentant, go forth and put a tav on their foreheads. That way, spiritually, they are separated from those who bask in sin. And they are marked with a tav. That tav, though, it may look like an N in modern-day Hebrew. That's not what it looked like. BC when Isaiah wrote these words. William Carey, the father of modern missions, lived in the 1700s, said this, let nothing short of a radical change of heart in people satisfy you. Christ must reign until Satan has not an inch of territory. The promise is that Christ shall reign until all things are brought under his feet. We are called to join him in that promise filled with confidence and faith. Knowing, again, victory in him is sure because he's seated as both Lord and Christ. John Calvin in the 1500s, the father of uh, theology, said this, God and his Christ will rule from sea to sea, from the river to the ends of the earth. That's the promise that we embrace. Yes, there's chaos at times. Yes, there's evil in the world. Yes, there's brokenness. Yes, there's hurting lives. Yes, there's sin. But again, greater is he in you than he in the world the one who says, I am the first and I am the last, who says, I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. I am the aleph and I am the tav. What was put on the mark on the forehead of the people in Ezekiel? If you look at a tav as it was originally written, it's the sign of the cross. That's where Ash Wednesday comes from when there's a cross drawn on the forehead. It's a tav. The original picture, it's not an N, but a cross. And so when Jesus says, I am the Aleph and I am the Tav, he's stating, I am the one most powerful God, the sacrifice on the cross. And those who bear his faith spiritually, they are marked, just as Paul would testify, by the cross of Christ. He is the Aleph, the Tav. His mark is to be borne out in our lives. David Livingston would put it like this. 
I shall try to hold myself in readiness to go anywhere, provided it be forward. The Tav is the sign for those who know him as both Lord and Christ. He could not have made things more clear. When he discussed this with the Pharisees, what did he say to them? You're searching the scriptures. Let me tell you what they testify of, of me. And for those that believed in him, they received a new life. For those who believe in him now, were promised they are made a new creation in Christ, in him who now bear the mark of the cross, the tav on their foreheads, because the one who declared it from beginning to end promised us that he is the center of all things. And in Pentecost, it's a promise that he is now seated at the right hand of the Father, crowned both Lord and Christ. And in him, we can trust and know life because we can state the great ruler of all things is bringing all things into focus. And he is daily becoming more and more the center of the world's hope because he is the one most powerful God, the sacrifice on the cross because he laid down his life. He took it back up again so that we can be free indeed and know day-to-day, moment-to-moment, the light has come into the world and the darkness shall not overcome it.